Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to Morning Glory. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles and meet me today in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and let's go down today to verse 23. Heavenly Father, we ask as we go into your Word, your, your Holy Spirit would illuminate the Scriptures. The eyes of our understanding can see it, take it, and apply it to our lives beginning today. We thank you, Father, for the work of your Spirit in Jesus' name, and we all agree and say amen. Verse 23 says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Wow. That's pretty close. This, of course, is referring to John. And John, uh, of course, later wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the epistles. He also wrote the book of Revelation, the last book in the New Testament. I think it's fascinating that John was so close to the Lord and so understood the loving nature of Jesus that he could even lean his head on the Lord's chest and just kind of kick back and relax. You have to admit, that's pretty close. There's a lot of things that, culturally wise, uh, maybe you wouldn't do from a manly perspective. But you know what? Jesus just makes you feel so relaxed and so comfortable that you could talk to Him about anything, open up to Him about anything, and uh, He's not going to, how can we say, wound you or hurt you. I think there's some people that if you tried to share maybe uh, something from your heart, or maybe share a weakness, or maybe share a difficulty that you're going through, that if you shared it with them, they would actually belittle you, demean you, or, you know, you'd, you would be left feeling like, I, I certainly can't take that risk again. Well, Jesus is just, you know, He's, he's the love of God. He is love personified, and He just really helps you to relax you could talk to him about things. You could talk to him about anything, really. And you could be very, very open with Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you see love. You see John especially uh, recognizing that amazing attribute of the Lord, and John going on to be identified as the apostle of love. And when you read First, Second, and Third John, those epistles, you really see the love of God defined and expressed in a way that only John really could write about. I think it's fascinating. I think that this, this agape love of God, which is a selfless love, where you lay your life down for the Lord and for others, I think it's going to begin to rise more strongly in the Western church, particularly. Um, many years back, Dr. D.G.S. Denikaran the esteemed prophet from the nation of India, he spoke about Billy Graham, because when they saw Billy Graham minister, and they saw the, the tremendous evangelistic anointing upon his life, they thought, you know what, this, this is something that we need to see in India. And uh, Dr. Denikaran, he really began to seek the Lord with fasting and with prayer, and he said, he said, Lord, make me like Make me like Billy Graham. I want to be evangelistic. And this was at a time, of course, when Dr. Denikaran's ministry was very, very well known all throughout India. And uh, he was always known as the Apostle of Love. And so he had really sought the Lord. Lord, I want to be like Billy Graham. And so he, <clears throat> excuse me, he was, I believe, praying one day, and he had a supernatural encounter where he went into a vision, and he was taken to heaven. And this was one of the uh, also trademarks of Dr. Denikaran's ministry. He had a lot of heavenly visitations. Uh, I have books in my office about many of the supernatural trips he had to heaven. Well, during this trip, he was taken to heaven, and he was shown a very great monument that had the names of all of the great evangelists on the earth. And he looked, and at the very top of that long, giant monument, at the very top, written number one, was the name Billy Graham. And that said evangelism. Well, 
much to Dr. Denikaran's surprise, there was another monument close to that one. And whereas the one with the evangelist, uh, with Dr. Graham at the front, it said evangelism, evangelist. Well, there was another monument. This one said evangelism and baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that one had somebody uh, with a different name at the top. But uh, Dr. Denikaran saw something very interesting. He saw the monument in heaven that had ranked the, the, the ministers on the earth uh, in the category of apostolic love. And Dr. Karen looked at the very top, and there was the name DGS Dinakaran. And he was known as the apostle of love and compassion. And he could stand before the multitudes and just talk, and that love of God would begin to go over the people, and the people would feel supernaturally loved, and they would feel that the compassion of God, as many of them, of course, were in uh, dire difficulties, and uh, were facing many problems and challenges, that love of God would just sweep over these gigantic stadium crusades that He would hold, and uh, the people would have real encounters with that love of God. Hallelujah. And so John, John understood some things about Jesus that I believe we need to go further into the heart of the Lord. Praise God. I want to talk a little bit today about preparing for revival. And when I say revival, I don't want you to think just another move of God that kind of comes in, and then after maybe a year or a couple of years, it's it's kind of like evaporated again, and then we're looking for the next roller coaster ride. Uh, you know, we do thank the Lord for those uh, uh, short moves of God, because look, any any rising tide is good, as they say, a rising tide lifts all boats. So we celebrate every move of God that the church has experienced, or maybe even experiencing right now. But there's something coming where the tide's going to come in, and it's not ever going to go back out again. And I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about preparing your heart for revival. And really, if you look at it, and you, you look at it from the concept of love, revival really begins in the home. Not so much in the church, because the church is made up of individuals and made up of families, and then we just all come together as the assembly. But it begins really in the home. And husbands need to love their wives. Wives need to love their husbands. Parents need to love their children. Children need to love their, their parents. And when that love is flowing, now we have an environment that is capable of revival. Really, you can't, you can't have revival without love. If there's strife and bickering and fighting, that will, that will clog up the flow of the move of God's Spirit. Even faith can operate without love. It says in the Word of God that, that faith works by love. So if the love walk uh, is floundering, then you can't even really get into faith. And if you can't get into faith, now you can't get into miracles, because miracles and the supernatural, it all operates on faith. So we, we need to have that foundation of a strong love walk with the Lord and with others. Praise God. So here's something interesting. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Okay, so we know that the cross is an, it's an instrument of death. The, the cross is also associated with self-denial. But here's something that I, I was meditating on this morning early, early this morning, when I first got up, it was just kind of floating before me. The cross, although it is an instrument of death, the cross is beautiful, because the cross is God's plan for your life. And we each must embrace the cross that God has for us. So there's an element of, of beauty, there's a mystery of beauty in the cross. There's also, of course, power in the cross. There's victory 
in the cross. But for many Christians, the cross, it's almost like a cactus. And nobody wants to grab a cactus and just take a hold of it. Um, you know, a few weeks back, I was ministering in New Mexico. And when the meetings were over, uh, there's a prophetess in the church. And there's a certain place um, out by the mountains where she goes for prayer. And she has had supernatural visitations. And um, she was visited by, by Enoch, uh, the prophet from the Bible. And she said, I'd like to take you where I have these visitations. I said, let's go. So me and my wife and the, the pastors and the prophetess, we jumped into the van and headed out to that, that sacred place. But the, the thing is, is that while we were there in this beautiful mountainous area, you had to be really careful because there in, in the area of Albuquerque, New Mexico, one side of the mountains is very pretty. You've got all these evergreen trees, but on the side that we were on, you had a lot of splendor and beauty, but the place was loaded with cactus. And it would be, be a great place for a visitation because very few people are going to be kind of walking their way around there. But wow, there were some there were some serious cactus there. And if you if you were to slip or fall, you could really have a bad day really, really quick. So I had a great time there and uh, had had a wonderful prayer time while I was there. But while walking to that spot and returning from that spot, it's just like I'm going to stay on this path and I'm going to be careful as I walk on this path that goes one wrong move. And, you know, the, these these cactus would be completely unforgiving. Well, I think for some Christians, the cross, it's almost like a cactus. Why? I think there is a lack of understanding of the love of God. And the love of God begins to come into your heart. And when you know the love of God, you realize that when you lose your life, you actually gain God's life. The, divi the divinity of God, the divine nature of God begins to flourish in you when you lose your self-life. But people that don't know the love of God, that, that don't really understand that God loves you so much, He has an awesome plan, but you have to, in order to take His plan, you've got to let go of your plan. In order to take the life that He has for you, you have to let go of your own selfish ambition or your own predetermined, premeditated, I'm going to do this no matter what type agenda. And really, it's, it's the love of God in your heart that begins to melt your heart and just allows you to say, I'm letting go. I'm letting go. And when you do that, suddenly the cross, you see, although it is an instrument of death, it's actually the instrument that takes the death and turns it into what's real life, the life of God. Oh, hallelujah. And you only find it through death. You find it on the cross. But for some people that, uh, that, that struggle with letting go, that don't really know the love of God, they look at it as loss. And they don't look at it as gain. So for them, it's like grabbing a cactus. And nobody, nobody wants to grab a cactus because you think, you think pain, uh, cruel discomfort, and it's just like, I, I, I don't want to do it. And so the love of God, the love of God gives you motive to just embrace the cross. And then that's when you come into the true life. Praise the Lord. The love of God, the agape love of God. This is, you know, there's different kinds of love mentioned in the Bible. But when you read about the love of God, if you were to look it up in the Greek, it's the word agape. It's agape love. It's the kind of love that puts God first. It puts others second, and it puts yourself last. And when you do that, you actually find out what real life is all about. Well, Pastor Stephen, who's going who's gonna to take care of me? It's amazing how God can take better care of you than you can take care of your own self. It's amazing that if you go last, you somehow in the kingdom of God end up first. And I can't even explain how it works, but it's true. It's true. Praise the Lord. And so when you walk in the love of God, and you're not moved by fear, you're moved by love and faith. 
I, 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 I'm not convinced that messages, that preaching that tries to get people to live right by pouring, you know, like fear on them. Um, I'm not convinced that gets the right results. I think that we need to be motivated out of love, and that's more than enough to motivate people. I think if you motivate, motivate people by fear, well, when the fear lifts off eventually, you know, then you're, you're just going to revert back to whatever it was you're doing before. But I think that when your motives are right, then you really can go forward with the Lord, and when you're motivated by love, you could lean your head on the Lord's chest. But if you're motivated by fear, you're going to constantly jerk your head off the Lord's chest because you're thinking, well, He's going to send you to hell, or He's going to hit you over the head with a hammer because He knows what you did, and on and on it goes. But I believe that in order to come into revival, we need to understand the love of God. Let me tell you this. When the Spirit of the Lord begins to move strongly and, and the, the revival begins to gain momentum, you're going to see a lot of backsliders come back to Jesus. You're going to see a lot of people that just gave up on the church. Maybe they were hurt or wounded. Maybe they were very spiritually immature, but for whatever reason, they just threw the towel in and just walked off and just, you know, kind of walked off from the Lord and walked out of the church. You're going to see those people come back to the Lord and get reestablished, get their hearts right with God, have their sins completely washed away, and they're going to be ready just to go right back in without missing a beat. Maybe they've been gone seven years, but they're going to come right back in to God's kingdom plan for their life without missing a beat. And when that happens, the last thing you need to do is kind of like start hitting them over the head. You need to welcome them back. You need to say, yes, your sins are forgiven. Come on, get back into the things of God. Get up, get running full speed. Hallelujah. That's the way we need to be. Praise God. And when you realize that's the way Jesus, that's the way Jesus is, it makes a big difference. You know, um, many years back, Prophet Kenneth Hagin talked about something that really grieved his heart. And it, it was ministers, good ministers who had moral failures in the church. And uh, you know, then that's not something to take lightly. That's something that, you know, um, th these men or these women, as some cases might be, they need to be restored, and there needs to be a plan to do that. There needs to be love. There needs to com be compassion, and things need to be worked through. But what Brother Hagin saw troubled him because it's like the ones he saw that made mistakes, you know, the denominations just threw them out, and they're like, you're done. You know, you've blown it, and uh, you, you've made us look bad, so you're gone. And uh, that, that really troubled Prophet Kenneth Hagin. And he went before the Lord, and he said, Lord, um, he said, I, I don't think this is being dealt with right the way this denomination uh, that he belonged to at that time just doesn't restore people. And so he was reading that scripture, you who are spiritual, restore those who have fallen. And he said, Lord, um, why doesn't the church do that? And the Lord spoke to him and said, your answer is in that verse. And he read it again and said, Lord, I, I, I don't get it. How come the church doesn't restore people? And the Lord said again, the answer to why they don't restore people is in that verse. And he read it again, you who are spiritual, restore, oh, and he caught it. You can't really restore people if you're not spiritual. You can't really love people the way God does if you're not spiritual. Woo, hallelujah, <laughs> because a lot of people that don't understand the love of God, they do things out of a fear-based mentality, and the Lord wants us to not operate that way. Hallelujah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lost sheep, they're going to be coming back and welcome them back with open arms. The Lord's going to clean them up, forgive them, and cleanse them. And um, the, they will have encounters at the foot of the cross, and just get them right back running in the things of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is up to amazing things. So the cross is beautiful. Don't look at it as a cactus. Look at it as a means of finding true life 
and finding the true way of living. Hallelujah. Now, Isaiah chapter 25, let's turn there for a moment today. We're getting ready for revival, walking in the love of God, making sure that we are close to the Lord, like John, our head on the Lord's chest, listening to not 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 his physical heartbeat, but the spiritual heartbeat. What moves him? What is his plan for your life? And I think I felt like I should say this today. The reason for some believers of why their prayers never get answered is because there is so much selfishness in their prayer life. And the majority of their prayer life involves around me, 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 me. And there's so much selfishness that it clogs up the power, the anointing, the answering of God's ability for those prayers. I believe that when we come before the Lord, and we put the Lord first, and then we also have a great desire to see others blessed, and we love others, I believe that when you are doing that, you are in essence seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these other things are added to you. Yes, there is a place for asking. There's a place where you make your request known unto the Lord. But for some Christians, that making their request known unto the Lord is the sum total of their entire prayer life. Hallelujah. But I believe we need to love the Lord. We need to pick up on the heartbeat of God, not only what His heartbeat is for the church, for the world, but also what His will is for our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Isaiah chapter 25 Verse 7, verse 7, there was a revival, a true move of God that took place over 20 years ago, and I never went to the, how can we say, the epicenter. Uh, although some of those that were strongly involved in the revival, some of the key people that God was using did travel out to other states to, uh, as they would say, spread the fire, which is cool, which is good. They, they actually came to my pastor's church at that time and, um, you know, endeavored to spread the fire. Uh, there was a lot of repenting when they showed up. As soon as they left, it seemed like everybody went back to their old ways. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, God wasn't genuinely moving. I just think that I just think that sometimes people can miss what it's all about. What it's all about is supposed to get the individual closer to the Lord. And so while that revival was going on, there were just people just running around saying, you got to get to this revival. You got to get to the revival. And I thought, well, if, if you're such a, you know, big believer in the revival, and this was usually people that had been there and then they came back, they were excited. They're like, you got to get to the revival. But I'm like, if it's so life-changing, how come it hasn't really changed your life? I know you're excited, but I believe that God's more not so much into excitement as He is into, like, um, long-term change. Praise the Lord. Was it a true revival? Absolutely. A lot of people got saved. A lot of people got healed. A lot of people that had drifted away from God came back to the Lord. But it ended. It ended just like every move of God has ended up to this point. But something is coming that's not going to end. So we need to change our mentality of how we look at outpourings of the Spirit. We need to change our mentality to, get God, God give us another thing, and we'll jump on that bandwagon for three months, or for six months, or for three years. And then when that's over, we'll be looking for the next thing. Well, we need to be looking to walking very close with the Lord so that when the glory comes and this thing begins to move, this now becomes lifestyle. Hallelujah. We're walking with the Lord. We're not just proclaiming something that we're excited about. We're actually demonstrating the nature of Christ in us. And oftentimes when that's going on, you don't even have to do that much proclaiming. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Isaiah 25 verse 7 and he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations there is a veil that's over the nations a demonic veil you see this referenced in 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 where it says that Satan is the God of this world oh it's not big G O D it's little G O D he is a defeated foe but the world doesn't know that and so Satan has authority over the unbelievers and he exercises it and he is called in scripture the prince of the power of the air and through the airwaves through the spiritual atmosphere he has thrown a net over the nations and this net influences people it's a veil over their eyes it's a veil of darkness it's a veil of evil it's a veil of sin and you wonder why do leaders do that who would do that in their right mind well it's because of the veil that's over the nations God is so merciful God is so merciful I remember uh, many years back when Idi Amin Idi Amin was the dictator the wild leader of Uganda this was a guy that was in full-blown witchcraft and uh, idolatry and you know uh, sacrifices of evil and he took what was at that time known as the Pearl of Africa and he decimated the entire nation he even uh, even killed all of their their animals you know I, th- I know that when you think about going on safari you think about going to Kenya well you know you go back decades back it used to be Uganda Uganda had all the lions uh, you know the you know they had such beautiful wildlife and he just had all the animals killed he was a real crazy person demonized person he even took his own daughter and sacrificed her as an offering to the crocodiles yet yet God spoke to a prophet in America and told the prophet get on an airplane and fly to Uganda and minister to Edie Amin oh hallelujah but why, why do leaders do what they do there's a veil now we, we don't we don't we don't put it all on the devil in other words their sin is not exempted or excused because of the influence no if you if you break the law you still broke the law and so there there are consequences for that but what I'm trying to say is there's a veil over nations there's a veil over cities there's a veil of darkness over towns but what's going to happen with this revival that's coming that's not going to cease it's only going to get stronger and stronger and it's going to be sustained is that you're going to see the veil begin to get lifted in areas and it's going to be remarkable I I was listening to an older pastor he passed away uh, just a few years ago very godly man and he said that he talked with a minister in one of these countries uh, actually the country was Sweden and the year was 1920 and that pastor was in Sweden in 1920 uh, talking about all kinds of stories of when the veil was lifted now of course it's not lifted now <laughs> it came back over the country uh, Sweden is a nation that uh, in many ways is very atheistic uh, very immoral and also uh, really hates Israel that's not that's not the case across the board you do have churches that are still holding out that still love God uh, but there's not many of them there's a heavy veil over the nation but in 1920 that veil was lifted temporarily and the Spirit of God moved so strong that that one pastor who was there when that outpouring actually took place said that people that were complete unbelievers living in villages the Spirit of God would sweep through the villages and without any sermon being preached without any radio without any television people would be convicted right where they're at 
and they would get up out of bed at three o'clock in the morning and they would walk outside and they, and they would be like I've got to find the church I'm a dirty sinner and I've got to get my life right with God now and this was going on all over the nation all over the nation and, and it just overwhelmed the churches and uh, churches began to run day and night day and night and it still wasn't enough it just over literally overwhelmed the churches why the veil was lifted for a season I believe there's going to come a short period of time where the veil that's over China is going to be lifted and I know that I know there's the underground church and they've had a lot of persecution and I know there's the government church the three self-patriotic church um, you know which has all kind of government governmental controls over it but there is going to come a period a short period of time where the veil is going to be lifted and it's going to be really really amazing what's going to happen but I believe the veil is going to be lifted over cities over towns and entire towns will be so overwhelmed with the glory of God that every single person in that town will be saved and if a person doesn't want to get saved the glory is going to be so strong that they'll just want to move it'll just be it'll be too uh, too unbearable for them praise God I believe we're going to see entire towns affected in such ways I believe we're going to see entire cities there will be cities where the veil is completely lifted and those principalities and powers and rulers of darkness they they have been they have been pushed back or either pulled down or they have been uh, they have been handcuffed in a way where they cannot blind the people that are in that city anymore glory to God there will be entire towns and villages that are cancer free zones sickness free zones where the veil is just it's just destroyed it's gone hallelujah I talked excuse me I didn't talk to this minister but I was listening to this one minister he was talking about that when he went to one country to minister and the veil had been just just ripped um, he went in there and just like he was just like wow I've never been in an atmosphere like this before and he said the moment you flew in and got out of the plane he said he said you just knew this is this is um this is amazing you didn't feel the evil spirits you didn't feel demons you, you just get off the plane and you're just like this is like an open heaven over this place and you could just walk out and if there was anybody unsaved you could just present the gospel to them and they'd be like okay yeah I, I believe that and you say well you need to get saved oh okay yeah whatever you say and just he said I could just lead, he was just leading people to the Lord so easily so easily Glory to God. Glory to God. That's what we're coming into. That is what we're coming into. The veil that is spread over all nations is going to be destroyed. Praise God. Again, a rising tide lifts all boats. But we're coming into a place where it's not just going to be another revival. Oh, that's wonderful. Then it's over. Lord give us another revival 10 years later another one happens then it's over no but my friends what is going to take place is that the ebb of the spirit is not going to ebb it's just going to be whoop. it's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger and we won't have you know periodic outpourings but it'll be a steady strong outpouring of the spirit that continues to get stronger and stronger as time goes by hallelujah I would like to read a prophecy to you from Arthur Burt um, Arthur Burt lived in Wales and he traveled all over the world he even traveled quite a few times to Moravian Falls he lived to be 102 years of age he went home to be with the Lord just a few years ago but even with his great age of living to 102 there was one prophecy that he heard uttered in a meeting in a Pentecostal meeting back in 1936 that was uttered with such anointing of the Spirit that he said he never forgot it it was like a divine scar on the inside of him and he always knew about that prophecy and he knew that God was going to do it now remember before I read this prophecy to you, um, Arthur Burt, he was around many, many great ministries. Actually, the way he got saved was at a George Jeffries meeting 
where he saw the incurable healed through Brother Jeffrey's ministry. And, and this was when um, George Jeffries was packing out the Royal Albert Hall three times a day, seating 8,000 people at each service with thousands of people outside. So he saw a real powerful move of God. That's what brought him into salvation and brought him into Pentecost. And later he actually met Smith Wigglesworth, and he was a driver for Smith Wigglesworth and, you know, was around Smith Wigglesworth a lot and saw the mighty works of God in that man's apostolic ministry. But, you know, Brother, uh, Brother Arthur Burt just talked about how all these great moves and all these great men and these great anointings, it's like it would sweep in, and then when it's over, it'd kind of sweep back out. Tide come in, and this is great, but then the tide would go back out. Now it's low tide again. Now it's not so great. And over and over and over and over, and so living to 102, he saw how the tide would ebb and flow. But he heard a prophecy that he never forgot and he knew that God was going to do it. He knew it was for the last days. He had hoped it would be in his lifetime. He never said it would be in his lifetime, but he did know that it's something that was coming. And I would like to read that prophecy to you at this time. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, he said that he was at the meeting that night. It was a Pentecostal meeting. The Spirit of God fell upon a young man, and he prophesied. And he said, this, this is the only prophecy that he could remember out of all the, you know, countless prophecies that he heard in many revival meetings, but he never heard anything like this, and it stuck in him so strong, and here's what the prophecy was. It shall come as a breath, and the breath shall bring the wind. Okay, the wind the moving of the Spirit. Thank Pentecost. The moving of the Spirit. Okay. And the wind shall bring the rain. The rain again, a type of the Holy Spirit. And there shall be floods and floods and floods. Well, when, when things just keep flooding and it's just so much water, so much flooding, what happens? It just rises and rises and rises. This is talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And there shall be floods, and floods, and floods, and torrents, and torrents, and torrents. Souls shall be saved like falling leaves from mighty oak trees swept by a hurricane. Let me read that again. Souls shall be saved like falling leaves from mighty oaks swept by a hurricane. Arms and legs shall come down from heaven. Let me read that again. Arms and legs shall come down from heaven. Now that's talking about the working of miracles. It's talking about the aspect of creative miracles. It's talking about the warehouses in heaven where the body parts are kept, the replacement parts for those who have, left body, who have lost body parts. It's talking about them being released in these end time this end time glory. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't tell me that won't get people's attention. Body parts being restored. People that had legs cut off, arms cut off in accidents, in, in uh, traumatic events, getting brand new arms, getting brand new egg, uh, legs, getting brand new eyes, getting brand new ears. Not, not just body parts internally, but body parts externally. Mm. Souls being saved by the multitudes. Now watch this. Souls shall be saved like falling leaves from mighty oaks swept by a hurricane. Arms and legs shall come down from heaven, and there shall be no ebb. Did you catch it? No in and out of the tide. No ebb of the tide. It's high tide. Great. Revival. Now it's low tide. Oh, oh, the church is all dried up and we're all defeated. No more, you know, ebb and flow. There shall be no more ebb. Glory to God. What is this? This is the great end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
as typified very clearly in the Feast of Israel. You had the three main feasts that all adult males were required to go up to Jerusalem every year to attend these primary feasts. The first one was Passover. It wasn't the first feast, but it was the first of the great feast. You had Passover, and then you had Pentecost. What was Pentecost? It was it was a feast expressing the former reign, the former reign, as evidenced Acts chapter two, the reign of the Spirit coming down upon the 120 disciples gathered in the upper room. Woo! Glory to God. Power. What was that? That was the former reign. And the former reign, the the Pentecostal experience spread like wildfire to the point that it became known that these are the people who've turned the world upside down. Well, actually what they're doing it as they're turning it right side up because of sin, the world is upside down. And so they come along and actually turn it right side up. But the, the, you know, the unbelievers, they don't know that, but they're just saying, wow, that this is the group that's turning the world upside down. How? By that power, by that power, you shall be power. You, you shall receive power to be witnesses. The word witnesses in the Greek is actually the word martyr. The best martyrs are the, uh, the best witnesses are the ones who are dead to themselves. Hallelujah. Oh yes, you're alive. You're living, but you're dead to your own agenda. You've embraced the cross and you're walking in the love of God and you've laid your life down for the Lord. You're laying your life down for others. And so you make a really good witness when you do that. Why? Because you're actually living the martyred life, not just once and done, you know, like Joan of Arc burned at the stake. And for some, that is, that is a calling, that is a destiny that God has for some. But for others, it's, it's the continual martyrdom of embracing the cross, not just once in an epic moment, but literally every day. So the best witnesses are those who are the living martyrs. Praise God. So you have Passover, you have Pentecost, the former reign, and how powerful was that? Wow. And we've had, we've had expressions of that, of that Pentecostal power for quite some time. Great moves of God. And anybody that's studied church history knows also about just how we've had these wonderful moves of God every century, throughout the centuries, even up to Azusa Street, where it just went around the world. The Pentecostal message went around the world, and the baptism of fire touched many, many people. Praise the Lord. But that's not the greatest feast. Yes, Pastor Brooks, we need another Pentecost. Well, we've already had Pentecost. We need to go on. We, we, need, we don't need to go backwards. We need to go on. And, and yes, if, you don't, if you're not filled with the Spirit, you need to have the Pentecostal experience. But that's not the end. There's still what? The great feast. It's known in Scripture as the in gathering, it's known as tabernacles, the feast of booths, the in gathering. Why? This is the latter rain. So, what's God going to do? Well, Joel said that he's going to send the former rain and the latter rain. He's going to pour out both at the same time. It'll be eight times greater than what they had on the day of Pentecost. Eight times greater. You're going to see miracles that you didn't even think were possible. You're going to see God do things you've actually never seen Him do before. And God is going to show up and show off in a big way. And multitudes are going to be swept in into the kingdom. Why? Because it's the feast of the ingathering. It's the bringing in of the harvest. And that's my friends, what we're coming into. And don't ever forget the way God works. He saves the best wine for last. And that was the first miracle He did, turning water into wine. And even the governor of the feast said, wow, 
we've never seen anything like this before where the best wine is brought out at the end usually they bring the good stuff out up at up at the front when everybody's taste buds are still you know a little more sensitive but at the end after you've you know you drunk so much now you can't really discern he's like this is very unusual that the really good stuff is being brought out at the end that's God's method and God's not going to allow the devil to outdo him in any way we're, we're coming into the end time move of the spirit and let me tell you right now God's going to heal your body that, that's, not a, that's not an issue for God. God can blow through a church in one moment. God can blast through the internet in one, one moment, and every single thing in your body can be healed. But God wants your head on the Lord's chest. God wants you walking close to Him. God doesn't just want you thinking, oh, this is glorious. Woo-hoo, woo And you jump, and you shout, and you holler, and you dance. But then, you know, you're not really changed. God wants you changed into the image of His Son. And so He wants your head on the chest of Jesus. Hallelujah. And He wants you staying close to the Lord. You'll also see that as we get further into the end times, that the, that the teachings of John will begin to come forth in a very special way. Why? John had the closest walk with the Lord out of all of them. He understood the love nature of the Lord. Hallelujah. And of course, our faith is going to explode for great exploits. But faith works by love. We must not forget that. Woo! Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Arms and legs coming down out of heaven. That happened in Brother Seymour's meetings. When the, when the glory was real high, he'd pull a leg out of a person. He would pull an arm out of a person. And uh, Prophet Kenneth Hagin talked about a country preacher out in the country. And that guy, Brother, Brother Hagin said he saw it, saw that country preacher yank an arm out of a person that had an undeveloped arm that was only about five inches long. That preacher grabbed that, that deformed little dangling arm and yanked it out into the full length of a real arm. Watch, watch what's going to happen when it's on high definition camera live. Oh, they did that in post-production. No, you're watching live, brother. What do you think about that? Wow. It will sweep people into the kingdom by the multitudes, like a hurricane shaking the leaves off of a tree. The leaves are just going up. They can't resist. Too much, too much and just a deluge outpouring, deluge, and it's going to rise, 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 rise. And it will outdo any sporting event. And people will get to the point, they don't even care about sports. They just want to, and, and, and those coliseums will be packed out easily, easily with gospel meetings, easily, the largest ones. Even, even the, the 400,000 NASCAR seating, uh, you know, stadium, easily, easily will get packed out. Easily. It'll be, it'll be the thing that's going on before it all comes to an end, and that age of grace closes out, and then God begins to work with Israel. I'm not going to get into end times and the catching up of the church and all of that, but th there is going to be a major, major outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Himself said, He said, the works that I've done, He said, you're going to do an even greater, greater works. We're going to see things that are just, we, we never even thought were possible. Praise God. Hallelujah. Funds, finances will just flow, flow. You're, you're, you're coming out of debt. You're going to be freed to serve the Lord. You're going to be healed. Those, those things are easy for God to do. God wants your heart. God wants your heart where His heart is at. If there's any selfishness in your life, any looking at the cross as something that's repulsive, like a cactus, you don't want to embrace it, you have to ask yourself, what's, what, what's wrong with me? It's your love walk. Hallelujah. You have to be willing to let the Lord have His way, not your way. And when you do this, you'll find yourself, God's getting you ready for something. God's getting you ready for the glory. God's getting you ready for revival. You're going to be running the nations. 
Hallelujah. You're going to be running to nations. I prophesy over that life. And don't try to figure it out. Just receive it. <laughs> Woohoo! Glory to God. Glory to God. God's put too much into you. You know too much just to sit, just to sit and not teach and not help and not minister. Even, as a, even if it's a supporting role, you know too much not to be involved actively in the kingdom of God. So these, these things that God's doing right now, they're, they're heart issues. And you can't get into this if you, don't, if you don't love your spouse. You can't get into this if you're fighting and quarreling with your children. And, and, and the love of God is not even in your own home. You can't get into this if you're not, not embracing the cross of Christ with, with great respect and love. God, God's getting people ready. He's getting the church ready all over the world. Because this thing is beginning to move. This thing is beginning to move. I want to read it one more time. Arthur Burt never saw it. But I believe, I believe it is appointed for this generation to step into it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now listen to this. It shall come as a breath. This is the revival. This, this is the... This is the revival that will never end. It shall come as a breath, and the breath shall bring the wind, and the wind shall bring the rain, and there shall be floods, and floods, and floods, and torrents, and torrents, and torrents. Souls shall be saved like falling leaves from mighty oaks, swept by a hurricane. Arms and legs shall come down from heaven, and there shall be no ebb. Glory to God. There will be such outpouring of the Spirit that not only will individuals be translated into nations where the gospel is forbidden to be preached, but there will be times entire groups will just join hands and will be caught up by the Spirit and entire groups will be translated to foreign nations to preach the gospel. And then when the Lord says it's time to go back, you'll, you'll just get back together again, and you'll begin to worship the Lord, and He'll send you back. Praise God. And, and there are so many indigenous tribes and groups that we're never going to have time to get the Bible translated into their language through the normal format, which needs to be done. It needs to be continued, whether it's Wycliffe missionary translators or whoever it might be. But there's just too many, there's too many languages. And so it's going to, it's going to require the Holy Spirit to translate people just like God did Elijah, just like God did Philip, just like God has done so many throughout Scripture, whether it was Enoch or, or so many others. Because we're going to have to just go and speak it in their native tongue to them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just help them to write it out. Because we're going to have to work a lot faster. Because what a translator has to do is spend, you know, five or ten years just learning the language before we can endeavor to get the Scriptures into their language. So God's just going to expedite everything. Everything. Glory. Glory. Glory to God. So you need to allow the Lord to get you ready. You need to allow the Lord to work on the soil of your heart. Praise God. And you need to walk just as close with the Lord as you possibly can. Let your head be on the Lord's chest. Glory to God. If you think that Jesus is a mean God, you won't do that. If you think that Jesus still remembers your sins that you've asked Him to forgive, you won't do that. You'll actually withdraw from Him. But when you realize who He really is and His nature, you'll be, you'll be like, wow, I'm doing things now not out of a fear base, but out of a love base. Hallelujah. I'm doing things now out of, not, a, not out of a motive of fear, but out of a motive of love. And you draw near. You draw near to the Lord. Hallelujah. And He begins to work in your heart. He begins to work in your heart. Praise God. If you want to be a part of this end time outpouring of the Spirit, a revival that will never ebb, it will never get weaker, it's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Lift up your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching. 
Lord, this is their moment, this is their season. Let them come into your plan. Let them, let, let them come into your plan. Father, I, I, I sense there are people that they don't realize it. There are some of your people that are watching, but their, their motives are so selfish. They have no idea that when they finally yield and just l- yield to you, they're going to see your plan and they're going to understand. They're going to understand what they're supposed to do. And some of you, you'll, you'll, in one day, you'll know exactly what you're supposed to do. It's going to be amazing. Glory to God. But those are things that only God can reveal. So, Father, we just thank you. Let there be a pressing in right now like John, who went on to become John the Revelator, the only one who could have written that book that had that walk with you to write a revelation like that. Father, we give you praise. Draw your people that they may run after you, that they may not be deceived by all the distractions of the world, but they may break free and run after you. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God. They're going to find true living in you. We give you praise. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Now press in. Press in like never before. Let's take communion today. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We're talking about getting ready for revival. Getting ready for global, global revival. You're going to see a lot of Muslims saved. They're going to be saved, filled with the Spirit, and they're going to begin to evangelize. Hallelujah. You will see cities in America that I know some of you think there's no way God can move in that city. The reason you think that is because you're watching too much news, and all you're doing is looking at the natural. I believe God's going to get New York. Watch. Oh, Pastor Stephen, have you heard what they've done? Yes, I've seen the laws, and I've seen the bills passed. I believe God has a plan for New York. God's not done yet with New York. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's watch what God will do. And may you be a person that God has you destined to live in a place where the veil is just ripped to pieces, and you're under an open heaven, and you're living in a place like that. Glory to God. Your whole community is a place like that. I know that there's still, as long as we're on this side of heaven, there's not like a, a utopia. You know what I mean? There's not a perfect world. But you will be in a place where the glory is there. The glory is there. And it becomes very easy to live for the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you praise today. Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We bless it. We consecrate it. This is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, perhaps today some of the things I've shared for some of the listeners just seem like, how? But Lord, it's going to happen. It's going to happen even as, even as the anointed evangelist Catherine Kuhlman said that when Jesus comes back to take the church up, there will not be one sick person in the church. So, Lord, we thank you that there are things that are coming that in many ways, Lord, we've never seen it. We've never seen it in our lifetime. But it's going to be greater by far than Pentecost. So, Lord, help us to get ready for the Feast of Tabernacles, the last feast, the great feast, the ingathering, the mighty, unprecedented outpouring of your Spirit beyond anything the church has ever seen before. Father, we thank you. Prepare our hearts for this. Let faith come into our hearts for this. Because you're working, you're already working in the church to get us ready. And it's beginning to move. It's beginning to move. Father, we, th- we thank you. We receive the body of Jesus by faith. 
and we say yes Lord let your will be done thank you O God in Jesus name amen let's receive the body of the Lord Jesus Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we run to you through the blood. We thank you that the blood of Jesus is more than enough. We give you praise, O God, more than enough to wash away any sin. That anybody that turns to you can receive forgiveness of sins. We thank you, Father God, that as we receive the blood of Jesus, we press into a close walk with you, O God. We thank you, Father God. Let us be like the Apostle John. Thank you, Father. We give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's drink. You know, one of the anointings that God has placed upon my life, and I, it's not the same for all ministers. I've talked with other ministers. I, I know one prophetess. Seems every time I talk to her, she's, she's met another angel. Um, and I asked her, does this happen to you? She says, no, I, I, that doesn't really happen to me. I, 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 meet, I meet others. She meets cherubim and seraphim and stuff like that. But the Lord has allowed me to meet saints from previous generations. Of course, this is in visions. This is in visions. The Lord would take me to heaven, or whatever the case might be. But this is not, this is not abnormal. Um, when you read about many of the Catholic saints, almost all of them, it's hard to find an exception, almost all of them had experiences with, with what uh, would be called the fellowship of the saints not just the saints on the earth, but also the saints in heaven. And many of them, when you read about their life story, they had, they had spiritual mentors from heaven. They had, they had saints from previous generations uh, helping them, uh, and, and on and on it goes. And I've talked with many other ministers today in the earth. I'm talking about rock-solid ministers with international ministries that have talked with redeemed saints, saints that are in heaven. And it's very interesting, very interesting how the Apostle John is appearing to many people in visions that the Lord is granting. It's very interesting how the Apostle John is appearing to many people in these last days. So we need to let his message to the church warm our hearts. And we need to understand this is the man that leaned his head on the Lord's chest. And so when this is happening, you need to understand prophetically what's going on, what that's meaning. There's a shift taking place. We need to walk close to the Lord. Yes, we'll continue to read all of the Bible, the teachings of Paul, the teachings of Peter. It's all, it's all gold, okay? Um, but there's something that, that's being emphasized now about the message of John. So let's prophetically pick up on that and lean into that. Glory to God. And I just, I just present that. I, I, I can't always take the time to explain, you know, all of the dynamics of visions, or we just get into another whole message. I can't explain the parameters of test the spirits, or else we get into another whole message. So sometimes I just put these things out, knowing that many of you are mature enough in the Lord to understand what I'm talking about, and others that are coming into it, just run as fast as you can, okay, and just keep coming after the Lord, and the Lord will give you understanding. Praise God. So, Father, we thank you for dreams, visions, supernatural encounters in the glory realm. We thank you that you're getting us ready. You're getting us ready, because the end-time church will be fully aided and assisted by the heavenly host, and there's going to be a lot of activity going on. So, Father, we thank you. There are supernatural encounters taking place 
right now. Father, we give you glory. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Receive that grace. Receive that grace. I think the year was 2008, and the Lord Jesus came to me in a vision in Berlin. Um, he talked with me for uh, about 30 minutes. He also put a pen in my hand and told me that my writings would become more prophetic, and over the years they have since that encounter. But those prophetic moments come out of prophetic experiences. Praise God. I've met many of the wonderful saints in heaven. Of course, not all of them. There's, there's billions that are there, but specific ones. And th this is part of the fellowship of the saints that God, God wants us to experience and to encounter. So there, there are catching ups that are going to take place. Glory to God. I, I could just tell you stories for hours. And I sometimes when I get around my prophet friends, we talk. And we could talk for hours about heavenly encounters and what's going on. Praise the Lord. But I just give you enough to chew on from time to time. Glory to God. So lean in, just like John, and be open to the prophetic realm of God's glory. Get ready for the coming revival. You have to get ready for it now. There is a there's an element of also where the Lord is cleaning our garments, because when He does come back, the bride, the church, will be so transformed, and remember, that's us. We're going to be so transformed that there will not be one spot or blot on our garments. Wow! That to me says incredible victory in the church. Let's get ready. This is the global church. Woo! The global church the end time church receiving the last wine, the best. God saved it for us. So Father, we thank You in the name of Jesus. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. God bless you. Bye-bye. <laughs>